Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Well, unfortunately, that was the Scott plan. That's not a Republican plan. That was the Rick Scott plan. The Republican plan, as I pointed out last fall, if we were to become the majority, there were no plans to raise taxes on happy American people or to sunset Medicare or Social Security. So it's clearly the Rick Scott plan. It is not the Republican plan. And that's the view of the Speaker of the House as well. I think we're in a more authoritative position uh, to state what the position of the party is than any single senator. Well, if you ever want to know what the definition of distancing yourself is, it's right there. It is Mitch McConnell, the Senate Minority Leader, distancing himself from the Rick Scott plan, Senator from Florida. If you also want to know what the definition of throwing somebody under the bus is, oh, there it is as well. Holy cow. Holy cow. That was that was rough and tumble. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. What's going on? Uh, still in uh, Texas. Look forward to getting home soon and uh, getting ready for the big game, right? Can't call it the other thing. Can't call it the duper flow. That was terrible, Tony. I could have done better than that. But looking forward uh, to it because the kids are looking forward to it. So I'm looking forward to it and getting back home. I'll talk more about that coming up. But I couldn't decide where to where to start this morning. A big story, the top story. So I, I, got, I have a bunch of stuff. I have a bunch of stuff uh, to, to get to. And I just, that, that from from uh, Mitch, from Cocaine Mitch. I mean, really want you to know, we're we're not considering getting rid of Social Security, Medicare. We're not having that conversation. We already said that that's not going to happen. We said it at the State of the Union. You can't use it against us. Let's double down. It's so weird because I've heard people on the left say, look what the Republicans did. They caught themselves in a trap. I think it's Democrats who caught themselves in a trap. Because now Democrats can't use it against Republicans. Now, the bigger part of this is the people who are trapped are us. Social Security and Medicare can't work like this. They're not sustainable programs. And you could tax the rich 100%. You could take all their money. You could sell all of their homes. And you still cannot fund this thing. Let's stop being silly and start being reasonable. You're going to have to touch Social Security and Medicare. You're going to have to grab it with both hands. Now, I know what you're saying. Hey, Tony, you realize you're ending your chances of running for any political office, right? You run. You run for office one day. And people are going to play this audio from now until the end of time. I reject the idea that you can't have an honest conversation with America. You made a promise to people regarding Social Security. I don't believe that you can go away from the promise. If you made a promise and people made a plan, you have to, to the very best of your ability, satisfy the promise. I'm asking a larger question and I'm making a stronger statement. We have to ask ourselves if that problem is sustainable. It's not sustainable. You have to change Social Security and Medicare. You have to. It is not sustainable. And anybody who says you're trying to hurt seniors has to be told to shut their mouth. 
and seniors have to be told it's not sustainable. But it's not today's senior. It's tomorrow's senior. It's not sustainable. And politicians have lied to you like they've always lied to you because they're okay with kicking a can down the road as long as they get your vote and their pension. They don't give a damn about your grandchildren. The question is, do you? Because if you give a damn about your grandchildren, you will start working with us now to figure out a better way. I don't know why that conversation is so hard for people to have. I have no idea why so many politicians are afraid of it. Well, it's because they're going to get vilified by the other side. Because even if I say that, that rational point of view, I'm going to get told by whoever runs against me on the political left or the Indiana Democratic Party, right? I assume it'll be in Indiana. Uh, it'll be, oh, he wants to cancel Social Security. He wants to cancel Medicare. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about seniors. That's all they're going to say. Because having an honest conversation is not what so many politicals are all about. I'm, I'm interested only in honest conversations. So let me give you an honest conversation. If Joe Biden lets Bill de Blasio be the next labor secretary, Joe Biden is more ridiculous, more ignorant, and simply dumber than I imagined. There is no way that a guy who's still thinking about running for office, oh, I'll get to that coming up, says, I know what, put Bill de Blasio in my cabinet, that'll be great for me. Amongst progressives, they hate Bill de Blasio, who is a progressive, who when he ran for president, screamed joyously that he wanted to tax the hell out of the wealthy. Oh, he was never so happy when he was talking about taxing the wealthy. Super duper excited he was. You're talking about the former reviled mayor of New York. They hated him. The conservatives hated him. The liberals hated him. The police hated him. The business owners hated him. Everybody hated him. And they didn't like his wife either. And there's a whole conversation about financial mismanagement and and money missing and and maybe what got utilized improperly. I'm surprised there hasn't been an investigation on on that with the mayor. I I am actually. But this is a guy who was going to run for Congress. Nobody was interested. He was going to, was he thinking about running for governor? Nobody was interested. He was thinking about crossing the street and grabbing himself a hot pretzel. Nobody was interested. And which is strange because it was a really good hot pretzel. And now he's angling, angling to be the labor secretary, Marty Walsh. He is uh, resigning. And the statement is, the mayor has had his eye on the Biden administration for a long time. And now he sees an opening and he's making his case for labor secretary to the White House. He's calling friends in the Biden administration to help make his case and push his candidacy. He's toxic. Bill de Blasio is toxic amongst liberals. Never mind what conservatives are going to do if he puts Bill de Blasio in the cabinet. Never mind what New Yorkers are going to do to him. New Yorkers are going to rip him apart. And that means New York media is going to have to aggressively cover Joe Biden getting ripped apart. You, you let, you let Bill de Blasio near your, your candidacy, your nuts, your, your campaign, your nuts, your presidency, your nuts.
And even I don't think Joe Biden is that ridiculous, which means there's a pretty good chance that Bill de Blasio will be the next labor secretary. And then there is the subpoena heard around the world. Former Vice President Mike Pence being subpoenaed by the special counsel who is overseeing the investigations into former President Trump and did he work to overturn the election? No. But I'll let you do your investigations. I don't get worked up. I can't start an investigation. I can't stop an investigation. I don't get worked up by investigations. I'm just not, I'm just not willing to do it. But Vice President Pence, former Vice President Pence, getting subpoenaed. The special counsel on this is Jack Smith. Now, this is different than, for example, Mike Pence having classified documents in his house. And from what we know right now, only one. This is a, a, a special counsel. And remember, there's a special counsel looking into the classified documents of Joe Biden. This is a special counsel looking specifically into documents and testimony related to the January 6th riot. And that's what he wants from Pence to see if Pence has anything or has any statement that would help their cause in making a case against Donald Trump that he did incite insurrection. He did actively work to overthrow an an election. Now, they have been talking for months, Pence's legal team and federal prosecutors. They've been speaking for months about this and about, you know, whether or not they were going to be able to get this done. I have yet to figure out why they needed a subpoena. If you were talking to Pence's legal team and now they're like, okay, he'll come in for the, for the questioning. What is the point of the subpoena? So I don't have an, an answer for that. Now, as has been reported, uh, there's a question of whether or not Pence, when asked the question, will invoke executive privilege. And as I know it, it's not that Pence gets to invoke. It's that he may claim that he is held to executive privilege because it was a conversation with the then president, and that is the only person who can waive executive privilege. Meaning the president's allowed to have conversations that you don't know about. I actually approve of this. It's different than whether or not the president can get visitors at his beach home and no one's allowed to know about it and no logs are kept by the Secret Service, which, by the way, of course, is a lie. Can the president have a conversation with somebody and you don't know about it and it doesn't have to get out? Yes, of course. Can the president have sent an email to somebody that he's allowed to to keep quiet? I actually do believe so if we're not talking about something that has to do with the running of the nation. You go get the warrant. You go find the, the, the way to break that executive privilege. That's, that's what the, the courts are for. But the, the president does indeed have the ability to do some basic conversations without everybody being all up in his business. I, again, I, I, get, I get hit for rationality so often. I get punched in the face for being rational on these subjects all the time. I'm, I can't, I, it, it, this is it, guys. I'm a rational dude. I don't know what Pence is going to say. But Trump had an interesting uh, comment. He wrote, uh, I, or actually he, he said this uh, to uh, Fox. I've been going through this for six years. For six years. I've been going through this and I'm not going to go through it anymore. And I hope the Republicans have the courage 
to fight this. He has a good argument. The abuse of President Trump at this stage now exceeds the abuse of Sarah Palin. I know what you're saying, Tony. Trump has taken it far worse than Sarah Palin. I, I don't think people remember exactly how much abuse Sarah Palin took. And certainly even before this, it's clear Trump has taken more. Uh, you're not going to get me to disagree. It's just that I, I don't think anybody should ever just gloss over I don't think anybody should, should, should gloss over just how bad Sarah Palin was abused uh, by, by the media, by culture. Uh, I, I, there's no forgiveness in my soul for David Letterman, not that it's for me to forgive, but the thing said just too gross and too horrific. But Trump's like, I'm done. This is madness. And it is. This is abusive. And it's purposefully abusive. And we all get it. I'm not quite sure how I stop it. Uh, win elections, maybe. Winning elections might help, but it is abusive. And those stories aren't even maybe the biggest stories of the day. Those are coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So maybe here are the two biggest stories of the day. I mean, a lot going on today. Kate Bedingfield stepping down as the White House Communications Director. So... Marty Walsh, Marty, Marty, yeah, Marty Walsh, that's his name, Marty Walsh, the, the labor secretary, stepping down. You already had Ron Klain, the chief of staff. He's gone already. Now you have Jeff Zients in as chief of staff. And now Kate Bedingfield, which I have to assume means, I'm going to make an assumption here. I, I've not heard anything. I have no other knowledge base to it. Um, Corinne Jean-Pierre is not long for a White House press secretary. There's no way. She's so awful at the job. Everybody knows she's awful at the job. She must know she's awful at the job. She's just terrible. But Kate Bedingfield, the voice, the person who puts the words into uh, Biden's mouth, stepping down as the communications director. Um, you have uh, Biden saying, since my time as vice president, Kate has been a loyal and trusted advisor through thick and thin. She was a critical strategic voice from the very first day of my presidential campaign in 2019 and has been a key part of advancing my agenda in the White House. The country is better off as a result of her hard work, and I'm so grateful to her and to her husband and two young children for giving so much. And, uh, so that's, that's uh, uh, that right there. Um, she's being replaced by Ben LaBolt, who was an advisor to... Barack Obama. So when people talk about Biden's term as uh, uh, Obama 3.0, they're, they're right. They are absolutely positively right that that's so much of what it is. But that core team that got Biden in is walking out. Klain has been with Biden for forever since the VP days. Bettingfield as well. This core, Saki gone and, 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 and them gone. Biden is um, going to be in some strange, strange territory here. Very curious to see how that plays out. Very, very curious because I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that um, the 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 new crowd is going to be it, or is this a crowd that's more geared up for re-election fights? But if Bettingfield and Klain thought that this was you know a uh, fait accompli, wouldn't they have stayed? Or 
there have been real issues. There have been real gaps, real gaffes, real uh, policy problems. And sometimes you got to clean house to show you're serious. Yeah, I'd go with the latter. I would go with the latter. Finally, if we're talking about seriousness, I love the way Twitchy puts this here. After months of lying, the mainstream media are ready to acknowledge that John Fetterman's health is a horror show. And it is. Fetterman is the senator from Pennsylvania. Fetterman had a stroke. Fetterman couldn't answer questions. Fetterman couldn't understand the questions. They said it was auditory processing issues and they were going to outfit his office with all this technology so he could read the questions so he could do the job. It then got noted that when he hears things, it sounds like uh, a Peanuts cartoon. Wah, 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 wah. That's how he's processing after the stroke. And it doesn't seem like anybody in the party or any member of his family actually cares and wants to take care of him. Getting elected was the only thing that matters. Well, after the State of the Union, which one has to assume he didn't understand, he couldn't process it, which is a serious thing. He went to a Democratic retreat and he was lightheaded. They took him to a hospital. His staff went to pick him up and took him to a hospital. That's how I read the story. Well, he's still there. Now, doctors say he did not have a stroke, but they are looking at seizures. They are looking at seizures. And now you've got people writing, when it's bad, Mr. Fetterman has described it as trying to make out the muffled voice of the teacher in the Peanuts cartoon whose words could never be deciphered. The New York Times writing about this, a physical impairment and serious mental health challenges that have rendered the transition extraordinarily challenging. The man's not okay. The man has not been okay. And I want it known I want it known that the Democratic Party didn't give a damn about his health. They just whipped the mule until he got the packages over the destination. They beat him and beat him and didn't give a damn about his health. And neither did his wife, by the way. That's my view from over here. Didn't give a damn about his health. Just get in the office. And then we'll get a Democrat in the governor's office and then we can throw you out. We can replace you with somebody else. See, that's what matters. As long as the party survives, baby, holy crap. These people want to tell me about decency. They want to tell me about caring and loving. They abused a guy, abused him. And they could have replaced him in Pennsylvania and they would have Still, well, probably won because Oz was a rather, it seems, unpopular candidate, Dr. Mehmet Oz, who ran for uh, Senate as a Republican. But they abused this man. They abused him. And everybody who said, this guy's not recovering well from a stroke. This guy is not okay. We were called liars, and I'm talking about me. We were called terrible people. We were called ableists. We, we were attacking somebody with a disability. Oh, so he has a disability? How dare you say he has a disability? We were right. The press lies. The press lies. And his team lied. And they don't care because at least they got the seat. That's all that matters. Get the seat, baby. All that matters is win. Win at all costs especially your humanity. Be willing to sacrifice it to win. That's what the people around Fetterman did. They sacrificed their humanity. I hope John Fetterman gets the help he needs. I really do. This is Tony Katz today. 
So you've said now multiple times that you have a, an intention to run for re-election, but you haven't made the decision yet. What's stopping you from making that decision? I'm just not ready to make it. There, there's no, no motive behind that? No. How, how do you win Democrats again? Many of them are concerned about your age. Well, that's not what I hear. That's not, look, do you know any polling that's accurate these days? You all told me that there's no way we were going to do well unless off your election. I told you from the beginning we were going to do well. You all told me I couldn't win my, the general election. We did well. I feel good about where we are. I feel good about the way things are. And I feel good about the reception I get. And uh, I think it's awful difficult to, uh, to poll these days. You know, you get, I, I'm not, don't hold me the number, but I think you have to something make like 51 calls to get one call through. I, and ask, ask any pollster how accurate they think their polling is. Yeah. But look, uh, it may be that, you know, I run and I get clobbered. And if I run, I win. I mean, that's not my motive. That's not the base upon which I make the, the judgment. Well, that's a whole bunch of non-answer right there. I mean, a, a whole stinking bunch. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. So that's Joe Biden. You've seen pictures uh, speaking with Julio Vaquero over there at Telemundo, still playing coy on whether or not he's going to run. Now, I should admit that in my theory of the response to the State of the Union, where Democrats have come to the place of acceptance in the five stages of grief, and they accept the fact that Joe Biden's going to be the nominee, doesn't mean that Joe Biden's actually going to run. It means that I think that when I, I heard Democrats talk about the State of the Union, Making a strong case is Joe Biden for 2024. They, they kept saying it like somehow his speech was excellent. It was far from it. But we have such a low standard for Joe Biden. You mean he was awake for 70 minutes? Oh, he's the guy. Acceptance. There's zero enthusiasm for people like Kamala Harris or, or, or Pete Buttigieg, and you can't really name anybody else who you'd consider a serious contender, and they're not going to let Bernie Sanders take the nomination, so... It goes back to Joe. I think that's the way uh, the Democratic media establishment, uh, the punditry class, the culture class, I think that's the way they see it. Who knows what it is that Joe will do? But it was an interesting interview because, well, Joe giving answers is always a, a treat. Joe finding a way to really let you know, well, just how disconnected he is it really is a treat. Let, let's start with where he is on immigration. Let me ask you about the reporting that's uh, today in the Washington Post. Uh, they say that your administration has been negotiating to deport massively non-Mexican immigrants to Mexico. Now, DHS has denied these claims. But have you been having this conversation, sir? No. I love his one-word answers, like he's somehow angry with you for asking the question. Everybody always gets it wrong again and again and again and again. Well, why don't you just, like, expound on it? I'm not arguing that there isn't a moment for a one-word answer, but this wasn't that moment. So the reporting is completely wrong. What you just said is completely wrong, yes. So what's the, what's the policy that your administration is going to have in the, the border policy? after Title 42 is lifted? Well, the policy we're having is if, in fact, first of all, we, we engage the parole policy mm -hmm. for those five, so Nicaragua, uh, El Salvador, Haiti, Venezuela, Cuba. 
and uh, the the uh, immigration, the uh, the number of people coming has declined uh, over ninety percent because there's a there's a regular path to do it now. And what we're trying to do is I'm making sure that we make ask the Congress to provide us more security at the border. Number one, more more agents. Number two, number three, more sophisticated machinery. For example, we have these basically moving x-ray machines that can x-ray about everything. Well, we need about 54 of them. We have 15. We should pay to get them done so we can, and we can, uh, we can uncover uh, the fentanyl coming in the country mm-hmm. and, and people being smuggled. And so there's a lot we can do. Every time I, I hear him talk this way, every time I hear him engage, about immigration like he's doing something with it. I, I, I mean, I'm out of my head. And I've got more stories on this subject. I, I don't know. I guess today's a big immigration day on the show. Who knew? You know that um, border crossings for Chinese nationals is up 800%? Border crossings for Chinese nationals is up 800%. So you had 2022, fiscal year 2022, 229, and already in fiscal year 2023, 1,862. Chinese nationals. The border is better. Anybody going to ask how these people are getting there? How are they getting to Mexico to be able to come across the southern border? It's, of course, China looking for ways to further destabilize the United States and utilizing our own ignorant, pathetic border policies against us. Our own progressive weakness against us. I'm sorry, that's not obvious? How in the world are they getting here? Right? El Salvador, you can actually track the path. It's difficult by foot, but it can be done. Then the same cannot be said for China. Meanwhile, Joe Biden's telling you how he's adding more technology. We already know that there's a certain levels of aerial surveillance that are now being taken away. I don't know if they're going to be replaced by anything, but he still wants you to believe that he's got a strong border policy. And the answer is no, you do not. But while we're on the subject of China, the guy from Telemundo brings up the spy balloon. And Biden's like, oh, yeah, shooting it down over South Carolina, not earlier. I don't regret that at all. Don't regret it at all. Let me ask you about the Chinese balloon. You know, everybody's talking about this. Uh, Now that we know what we know, that the balloon had antennas and a a communication system, do you regret not having insisted on bringing it down sooner? No, I think the expert, the intelligence community, defense community, they forgot more about it than you or I know. I said I wanted to shut down as soon as possible. And they were worried about the damage that could be done, even in a big state like Montana. This thing was gigantic. What happened if it came down and hit a school in the rural area? What happened if it came down? So I told them as soon as they can shoot it down, shoot it down. They made a wise decision. They shot it down over water, recovering most of the parts, and they're good. That argument could have hit a school? You mean our military can't figure out where to shoot down a balloon so it doesn't hit a school? And what kind of straw man is, well, it could hit a school in a rural area. Me think thou doth protest too much, I believe is the the phrase 
that comes to mind right there. That's that's very much to me what he's doing. Excuse making. Oh my god, you could have hit a school in a rural area. Is that really what you wanted? Um why wasn't the balloon shot down over the Aleutian Islands? It could have it could have hit a seal. Is that what you wanted? Better the seals than the Chinese seeing where we keep our missiles. Actually, I assume that the Chinese already know where we keep our missiles, but why should I give them a better view? You know, you you repeat something, you just repeat it, repeat it, and you get the press to follow up on it, which is so much of what happens when you're part of the political left, and then you get to walk away from the problem. I, he, We're going to let the president of the United States and the military walk away from the idea of not allowing a, a Chinese spy balloon or any nation spy balloon, so we're clear, from entering U.S. airspace? You know, even for a guy who understands it, understands short attention spans, understands that, that you know, we, we, we move on to the next thing and, and Biden and, and seemingly progressives are never held accountable. Even I, who knows all of this and discusses all this and shares this with you, and we talk about it all the time, whether it's on radio, we see each other out, we're talking about these things. Even I am like, really? We're, we're, we're going to let this pass? We're going to let this pass, son of a, I really am. I really am amazed. And I am not, I I should state, I am not so convinced that this is going to pass. There are some things that have nothing to do with socioeconomic class. There are some things that have absolutely nothing to do with culture or politics. There are some things that are standard. Spy balloon didn't get shot down? What the F is this? And I think that if you went anywhere, whether it be Wall Street or Midwest Main Street or the inner city street, you would get the same reaction. What the hell is that? How do you not shoot this thing down? You tell people in all of those areas Oh, you couldn't shoot it down over Montana. You might have hit a rural school and people will look at you like you've got nine heads. Only at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or wherever the headquarters of MSNBC are at any given time would it be like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Every other quarter in America, I take someone from Main Street from Midwest Main Street, from Wall Street, and from the inner city street, I put them in a room, I tell them that story, they're all going to look at each other and laugh out loud because they know that's a bunch of crap. It's a bunch of, I believe uh, the correct term is malarkey. No one buys that. And I think that sticks. I, so I, I, I swear to you, I remember it. And if, I, if I could remember the network, man, it'd be a lot easier to share the story. When... The Supreme Court was going to look at Obamacare before they determined that it was a tax, somehow determined that it was a a tax and therefore allowed. A very, very bad bit of work by Justice John Roberts. Um, Barack Obama said, as a reminder to the Supreme Court, you know, this uh, passed uh, Congress and was signed into law. Now, I thought that was the craziest thing I'd ever heard because it was Barack Obama, first of all, threatening the Supreme Court. And secondly, isn't this what we like 
look to the Supreme Court to do? Isn't this Marbury versus Madison? Isn't isn't this the idea that the courts review, that the Supreme Court specifically reviews and can determine uh, the the idea of of legality or constitutionality? You know, wherever you are on Marbury Madison, I will leave that for another day. This concept is totally ingrained in the American psyche, no matter who you are. And what I remember, I, I should search, I don't even know if I could find it, I, but I would do it. They were talking to people on the street about this. And some people saying, well, there's three branches of government. Why would he say that? That's a threat. It wouldn't matter if you were on Wall Street, Midwest Main Street, or the inner city street. The concept of three branches of government and the idea of checks and balances, that has permeated. They get it. Everybody gets it. And so the idea that the president of the United States would be like, yeah, there should be no checks and balance, that's kind of nuts. That's kind of nuts. You tell people you can't shoot down a Chinese spy balloon because you might hit a rural school in Montana and people will look at you like you're nuts. You're crazy because, well, that's, that's crazy. That's, that, that answer doesn't fly. But with the media willing to look the other way and they're too busy screaming about it, what Marjorie Taylor Greene was wearing and, and at the State of the Union and she yelled at Biden, well, they've got their cover story, what they think is more important, and they're going to move on. I think Chinese spy balloons are pretty damn important, which is different than how President Biden sees it because he doesn't even think the spy balloon was a security breach. Wasn't it a, a major bre security breach for the United States, just the fact that the balloon came into the airspace no. and flew over the country for so many days? No, look, <laughs> the total amount of uh, intelligence gatherings going on by every country around the world is overwhelming. And the idea that a balloon could traverse, uh, break American airspace is, uh, anyway... It's, it's not a major breach. I mean, look, it's totally, it's a violation of international law. It's our airspace. And once it comes in our space, we can do what we want with it. So he starts getting himself into a conversation where, look, everybody's spying on everybody, realizes he doesn't want to have that conversation, ends it mid-sentence, and then says, well, yeah, sure, it's in our airspace, but not a security breach. I mean, he's precious if it wasn't all so serious. It's not a security breach. Can I ask how politically and geopolitically that works for us, that commentary, this idea that it's no big deal? Wouldn't this be an opportunity to have written out the lines to then apply pressure to Xi Jinping, pressure them to act within norms of, of the international community, pressure them to act like a first world nation, which they are, and they should be designated so they don't get any special privileges on this, that, or the other First world nation, second world nation, third world nation status gives you certain rights, if you will, with how the UN sees it, the international community, blah, 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 nonsense. China, not a developing nation. China's there. China, a thieving nation, also there. China violating our airspace, absolutely there. And China, a threat to a free and thinking globe, well, they've been there for years. Not a security breach. Dear Lord, no one's better at ch pro-Chinese propaganda than Joe Biden.
My gosh, that's, I mean, that's impressive right there. And that was one interview, one interview with Telemundo. I hope Corinne Jean-Pierre enjoys the cleanup on this one. I'm Tony Katz. Adidas now feeling the effects of ending the relationship with Kanye West, his anti-Semitic comments, he's hanging out with anti-Semites, Nick Fuentes, amongst others, he, he's not apologizing, I don't need the guy to apologize, this is who you are, and now people can decide whether or not they want to work with you, it's just, it's just that easy as far as I'm concerned, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you, uh, but the story is, is that the shares are tanking. Adidas thinks it could lose about 1.2 billion euros. That's 1.3 billion dollars. For those of you playing the home game, in 23, in 2023, it was unable to sell its existing Yeezy stock and the shares were down 11%. We are currently not performing the way we should. That's according to the Adidas CEO. The numbers, he says, speak for themselves. And and they do. Who's buying now? is a great, great question. Who wants to be a part of that? And the answer is, well, there's still plenty of people who will buy them. But it, are you, are you going to need to do it at a discount? You still think you can get a premium? Look, you, you ended the relationship. The loss is going to happen. Sometimes that's the cost of doing business. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today.